2: Hello, this is Monica Reinagel, and you're listening to the Nutrition Diva podcast. Welcome. Air fryers are a hot new appliance. Maybe you're considering getting one, or perhaps you, like me, already have one, but haven't quite figured out what to do with it. Well, joining me this week on the Nutrition Diva podcast to share the mysteries of air frying is Liz Shaw. Liz is a registered dietitian nutritionist, also a certified personal trainer. She's also an adjunct professor of nutrition at Bastyr University. But more importantly, she has just written the Air Fryer Cookbook for Dummies, which is actually a follow-up to the wildly popular book that she wrote, Instant Pot Cookbook for Dummies. So welcome to the podcast, Liz.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Monica.
2: Air fryers have grown a lot in popularity, but I think a lot of people aren't quite sure what they are. So to start out, can you just explain what an air fryer is and how it works?
1: Absolutely. So the best analogy I can use are thinking of those money machines. So I'm sure many of your listeners have either seen those in person or seen them on TV. And just like when someone steps in that cylinder of a money machine and the, the air circulates around, the money starts flying, that's <laughs> exactly what's happening inside the air fryer. So when you put it food into the air fryer and close it, hot air circulates, circulates around the food and begins to cook it. The temperature inside of the air fryer and the type of food that you're cooking help determine the amount of time you need to cook your recipe and that perfect crisp that you'll get on the outside. So basically that hot air circulating is what's leaving that texture and that overall product doneness for your item.
2: Okay. So an air fryer uses hot air to cook food. So it makes sense, the air part of the name, but why do they call it a fryer?
1: So, fryer might be a little bit of just kind of a play on words because it is traditionally used to improve the health pri- health profile of those traditionally, you know, deep fried foods. But realistically, you're using a very minimal amount of oil to help provide that crisp texture when the hot air is circulating. So, it's really more of a play on words to say you're not technically frying the food. It's the hot air that's cooking the food.
2: Okay, that makes sense. So I understand there's a few different types of appliances that fall into this category. Can you just tell us what what our options are here?
1: Yes. So there's actually three different types of models of air fryers on the market. First, there's a paddle type. So this is a self-turning fryer that has a a paddle inside or a cylinder basket to help cook the food and turn it evenly throughout. It doesn't necessarily use more oil than other types and models of fryers. You just need to evenly coat the food as you would with a basket type or the countertop oven that we'll get into. So the basket type of fryer is most models that you will see on the market. Most, you know, three quart, five quart models are the basket type. So this is just basically like it says, a, bas- a basket drop in style that calls for multiple shakes throughout cooking. Now, um, maybe you have the basket type yourself, maybe some of your followers do. It's really convenient, but it's also a little bit more laborious because you do have to do multiple batches with that. And then the third type is the countertop oven type. This is very similar to your toaster oven or your mini pizza oven. And it you know, has the, the front door that opens, you slide it in. And now the air, the way that the air circulates around it is a little bit different because you do have more air going on the bottom of the food versus your traditional, you know, toaster oven type model.
2: Yeah. So I do have that basket type and what I, what little I have figured out about using it is that you have to be every few minutes stopping it and, you know, shaking stuff around in the basket to, to redistribute it or move it around.
1: Yes. And you will find that depending on what item of food you're cooking. Now, you won't necessarily have to do that if you're making like a burger or a sandwich or something like that, but definitely for your potato chips or French fries or carrot chips, things like that, you you do have to shake it more frequently.
2: Okay. So I'm surprised to hear you talk about burgers. That's not something that had occurred to me to make in my air fryer. Tell us what kinds of things you can make with an air fryer and what are they like particularly good for?
1: Yes. So you can truly make most items in your air fryer. Um, one of the things that I actually love making in the air fryer is our roasted vegetables. So mushrooms are actually take on this really great flavor profile mm-hmm. when you add just a little bit of oil, some of your seasonings, but your the way that the, the hot air circulates leaves a really good texture. My husband is not a mushroom fan and he will eat them out of the air fryer. You can also make ribs. So I actually had my mother-in-law test quite a few recipes and my father-in-law is a cattle farmer. So he really enjoyed having some of his favorite you know, red meat dishes come out of the air fryer. So there's really most recipes you can modify to make in your air fryer, muffins, pastries, different things like that as well.
2: Well, that uh, tip about the mushrooms makes me wonder about tofu. You know, one of the things I'm always trying to do when I'm cooking tofu is get that slightly denser, chewy texture to it. Uh, is that, have you tried that in
1: the air fryer? Yes, actually. I've actually done a few um, Instagram lives on that because tofu was not something I enjoyed I will say I do not enjoy it before. But ever since I, I've started experimenting with the air fryer, I make taco tofu for Taco Tuesdays. And we have taco uh, taco tofu bowls and different things like that. Because really the key I, I really feel with, with tofu in the air fryer is to make sure you get a long press to get all of the water out of it coat it and marinate it. So you need to marinate in the fridge for at least an hour to really absorb the flavor. And then I just use a little almond flour or a little cornstarch and put it in the air fryer. It usually takes less than 10 minutes and it has that golden crisp coating that's really delicious to enjoy tofu.
2: (laughs) Yes, that's always what I'm looking for, but never quite achieve with any of the methods that I've been using. So is there anything that an air fryer is really terrible for? What, What are the things that we shouldn't be making in this?
1: Yes. So as much as I want to say it's for everything, it's not necessarily for everything. There's no appliance that truly does one and all.
3: <laughs> so I'd not
1: suggest making a a cheese dip. I've seen a lot of things go around on Pinterest and the internet with making, you know, kind of like a fondue in the air fryer and truthfully, you really do to make a, a quality product, an end product that everyone's going to enjoy and not be lumpy or overcooked in one section, the air fryer doesn't really allow for that because you do need to stir it throughout the cooking process and make sure it's you know, heating evenly. And I just feel like with a lot of the the warmer dips, they just don't cook. You can definitely reheat them in the air fryer, but actually cooking them to have the right texture and melting consistency throughout, it just doesn't result in a good end product.
2: Okay. Good to know. So being able to make French fries or chips with so much less oil is obviously an advantage in terms of calories. And so I get why you might want to use an air fryer instead of a deep fryer. But a lot of the things that I've seen people using it for, and that you've mentioned like roasted vegetables or vegetable chips, or even baked corn tortillas, seem like they could also be made in a, just in a regular oven. So what would be the advantage of using an air fryer for those things instead?
1: So it really depends on one, how many people you're cooking for? Because absolutely, if you're cooking for a family of seven and you have a three-quart air fryer, you are going to be standing there a long time to make <laughs> those tortilla chips. And I definitely, you know, time is, is very valuable. So what I say is if you don't have the right equipment to bake things in your oven, for example, an aerated pan or something like that, that's really going to get that crisp texture as you're cooking it, then an air fryer is a really good option. And there are so many different sizes of models that you can purchase that will really help expand and maybe lower the amount of time it takes to batch cook, but also for people who live in very warm climates. So if you're in the South and you really enjoy some of the, the healthier alternatives to maybe it's a, a shrimp, a sh- shrimp sandwich, a fried, fried air, air quote right there, air quote for fried shrimp sandwich, but something like that in the summer months, then an air fryer takes significantly less amount of energy, less heat to heat up. So your house isn't getting very warm or you're not having, you know, the sweats for making your sandwich because it's very compact.
2: That's right. I remember realizing a few summers ago that my um, slow cooker was actually great in the summertime for the same reason. I'd always associated my slow cooker with winter months because, you know, you make the chili and the soups, but then I realized, oh yeah, but I can also make a summer soup and not heat up the kitchen.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think there's actually some statistics that show, I think it's 70% of energy savings when you use like an electric pressure cooker type model with the slow cook function.
2: Right. So the instant pot that has the slow cook option, right? Yeah. Great. So um, that's some of the advantages of using an air fryer. And I have to say, you know, some people might see the fact that you have to make smaller batches as a disadvantage, but maybe that could also be an advantage in disguise because it helps a little bit with portion control.
1: Yes, yes, we actually have quite a few um, small batch recipes within the air fryer cookbook because I understand myself, especially if you're home, you know, you you do maybe have a little bit more of an edge to go in the kitchen and get, you know, the two dozen cookies that you made versus only having a, a dozen is a lot easier to help.
2: <laughs> sure, sure. And we don't need giant, giant bowls of no. corn chips or potato chips. <laughs> a little bowl would be just right. Yes, so what, what are the potential disadvantages of an air fryer? I'm sure you've looked at all of the different angles here. So are there any?
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, I'm not going to say, again, there's not one appliance that's supreme, but it's It's fun, but it also does take up some valuable counter space. So I know, mm-hmm. especially in my, my small kitchen, and I, I live in a suburb, so I do know I'm, I'm very blessed and privileged to have a larger kitchen than most city dwellers. So it does take up some valuable counter space. So if you're already tight on space, then if you even bought one of the smaller models and put it underneath the counter, you might not use it as frequently and might not be as a, as useful as an appliance. So really considering um, your space limitations and how frequently if you can actually leave it on the counter. Now, I don't recommend using your air fryer every day, but if you want to get the most used out of it, you really have to have it in, in sight view, you know? Sure. So if you're hiding it, it's not necessarily going to get used. And then kind of the same disadvantage that we've been talking about is you do have to to cook in batches so for someone who's very tight on time and you know 10 minutes to make a dinner meal is the 10 minutes that they have so you know spending five shaking the basket isn't going to be necessarily you know great for their schedule so I think looking at those two things specifically is is very important now, on nights that you do have maybe a larger gathering, you can absolutely batch cook ahead of time and leave it, for for example, the tofu that we talked about. So if maybe you wanted to do more of a vegetarian fare for your party, you can actually cook it in batches in the air fryer and then keep it warm in the oven. We have some recommendations for that as well, just in case you do want to use the air fryer. One of my favorite recipes are these pretzel bites. And these pretzel bites are delicious, great texture, but when I try to make them the same in the oven, they just don't get the same consistency. So I batch cook them ahead of time because they do require a few shakes and a few a few more minutes than most recipes, but it's worthwhile and you can keep them warm in the oven.
2: Right. I could see, yeah, for things that you just can't quite mimic the same texture or result with other methods, it might be worth the uh, the, the little bit of extra time and attention.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: Liz, we're going to just take a quick break, and then I want to ask you about the potential for acrylamide formation with air fryers and what we might be able to do to minimize that.
1: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. (laughs) Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.
3: Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley.
2: So Liz, I've talked on the podcast before about acrylamide. This is a potentially harmful compound that can be created when we're roasting or frying starchy foods like potatoes. So would using an air fryer to make French fries or potato chips result in less or more acrylamide than frying them or even just oven roasting them?
1: Yes, so good news here. It actually will result in less formation of this compound. Now, uh-huh. I fully understand the concern and fear that people have when they hear this word. You know, acrylamide is kind of a, it's a scary word. It's a hard word to pronounce. You know, but rest assured, I've got some good news when it comes to air frying your food. Research has shown that air frying foods may actually result in a seventy-five to ninety percent reduction in the production in the um, the production of acrylamide in comparison to deep fat frying. Now, the study that I'm referring to here actually used a variety of pre-soaking solutions, things like citric acid and sodium chloride, which I'm not recommending necessarily you use in your kitchen, but the results showed that the items in the air fryer didn't necessarily need that special pre-treatment solution, meaning you can just soak your potatoes, your starchy, you know, whether it's a root vegetable, whatever else it is in a simple water-based solution. So just using your filtered water, putting your chopped potatoes, your whatever kind of chip you're throwing in the air fryer and soaking it for at least 30 minutes helps to reduce that formation.
2: Great. Any other things that we need to keep in mind when we're using an air fryer to minimize that acrylamide formation? So soak things
1: just in plain filtered water for how long? You want to, the minimum amount of time is 30 minutes, but if you are prepping vegetables in the morning and planning, cooking them in the afternoon, just throw them in the water, then set them in the fridge. And by the time you're ready to prepare them, the longer the soak, the better. We'll put it that way.
2: And then you have to drain them. And then do you need to blot them off with paper towels or something so that they're sort of dry before you put them in the air fryer? You do. Yes.
1: So in order for the oil, cause you will want to spray a little bit of your olive oil or, you know, avocado oil, whatever it is on top of the actual potato. I'm just using potatoes as an example here, but you will need to dry them and, you know, blot them with a paper towel to make sure that there's no um, liquid on the outside. So the oil actually stays on the product.
2: Got it. Got it.
1: Another so, thing to, to keep in mind too, is that the, the longer that you fry, so basically the darker formation of that char, that means more of that formation. So the most you can minimize. So really, when we talk about temperatures with air frying and the time allotment, try and keep it to that golden brown texture rather than you know getting it to that charcoal black texture. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, that's never my intention. It does happen every <laughs> once in a while if I uh, <laughs> if I don't <laughs> shake it often enough. So golden brown is what we're shooting for here. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you've developed a lot of recipes for your new book, Air Fryer Cookbook for Dummies. And in developing, I I know from developing recipes, there's a lot of trial and error. Uh, So were there any general techniques or best practices that you discovered were key to getting good results?
1: Yes. So actually one of the first things was the cooking in small batches. So I thought, you know, oh, I could throw a handful in. No, you don't necessarily want to overcrowd that basket because the end result will not be what you are craving. So if you're craving that potato chip or that crunchy kale chip and you overcrowd your basket, you're not going to get that same end result. So patience is a virtue here and really just focusing on small batch cooking. The second thing I learned very early on was the blotting factor. So using your paper towels or your clean kitchen towel to make sure that your foods that have been soaked are very dry so that the seasoning sticks on too, is going to be a super helpful tip to make sure that you get that delicious craveable end product that you want.
2: Yeah. I could imagine if you've got too much water on that, they're essentially just sort of steaming in there instead of yes. caramelizing. Yes. And I've also had trouble with whatever seasonings I applied to my food, most of it ending up in the bottom of the basket instead of stuck to <laughs> the food. So that's an issue of making sure things are dry.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's definitely related to that. And then some people who are fearing the oil, like you don't necessarily need to fear the oil. It's just use I actually have one of those glass bottles with a little, you know, little sprayer on top and I just put olive oil or avocado whatever I have right then and put it in there to spray the actual food. I don't necessarily spray the basket. I spray the food because that will help preventing it from sticking to the basket.
2: Right, and help those seasonings stick to the food.
1: Yes. Yep. All right. So
2: what can we learn from the recipes that didn't make it into the book? When I ended up on the cutting room floor and why?
1: Yes. Okay. So typically the reason was uneven cooking distribution. I kind of alluded to that cheese, um, cheese dip recipe I was talking about. But when I attempted to cook rice in the air fryer as a base for a fried rice recipe I have... It did not cook evenly through, and it was probably the worst the worst rice I've ever cooked in my <laughs> kitchen. So that was I mean, as much as I, I wanted to give it in to what the Pinterest gods were saying, I just I couldn't, and it just did not leave a favorable end product. So there's nothing wrong with doing some quick shortcuts. Whether you have you know a pre made rice that's in a 90 second pouch and using that for one of the fried rice recipes, or cooking your rice ahead of time and just saving it and using the amount called for in the recipe, that is going to be a huge saver for you and get that product that delicious bite that you want.
2: (laughs) So speaking of recipes, I'm sure people are going to wonder whether they might be able to adapt or modify their favorite recipes for an air fryer, or do you recommend that we just stick with recipes that have been specifically developed and tested by somebody like you for an air fryer, or even is it important to pick recipes that are developed for your particular style or model of air fryer?
1: So that's a great question. And throughout the entire book, I highly encourage people to experiment and test out their favorite recipes to make them their own. So for instance, if you have a classic um, coffee cake recipe that you have the right equipment that will fit in your air fryer, I absolutely want to encourage you to test it out, but with caution. For instance, most air fryer recipes will have for a baked good, will have a decreased temperature. So for instance, if that recipe cooked at 375 in your Typical oven, it might cook at three thirty in your air fryer for you know twenty to twenty five minutes versus you know the forty to forty five minutes in your traditional oven. So you do have to play around and be very um, extra attentive to your recipes that you are modifying. But most recipes you can absolutely modify for your air fryer.
2: And the rule of thumb is we want to cook it at a slightly lower temperature but a slightly longer time. Is that? fair to say? Not
1: necessarily longer time because it's interesting because the space is so compact, it will actually help cook it faster, but you do need that low and slow cooking. So okay. the, and, and this is traditionally for baked goods. That's, that's a general MO from for, for b- the baked goods. Now with a meat or something like that, you do want to be more, um, definitely have your internal thermometer right there. So you can test because we typically recommend for, you know, potentially hazardous foods, just really using that internal temperature testing.
2: Okay. Now your, uh, your website is Shaw Simple Swaps. That's a big part of your brand. Are there specific healthy swaps that you can recommend when you're using an air fryer?
1: Yes, so I, I definitely tried to incorporate that throughout the book. I was I was lucky enough to collaborate on this with a colleague who's also a dietitian. And we both brought such unique aspects to the book. So one thing with my swapping, I definitely encourage really adding one more. Add any kind of fruit or vegetable that you can. So we have a lot of fruit-filled desserts that are you know naturally sweetened with fresh blueberries or different uh, strawberries, frozen mangoes, or different things like that that really help bring out the natural sweetness. So in turn, it's lowering the added sugar. Now there's not necessarily a formula to say like use, you know, two thirds less sugar if you're using this much fresh fruit or vice versa, but you can really rest assured that the recipes are swapped with more wholesome goodness, good for you foods versus, you know, more of your traditional fried food fare.
2: Right. So if, uh, for those of us who have not yet purchased an air fryer and now we're thinking maybe it's time to invest in one. What are we looking for when we're looking at different models and different products?
1: Yes. So Amazon, I mean, most outlets have a million different air fryers now because they have become so popular. I will suggest really looking at the reviews because I've tried out six different models now. Just, I really wanted to know what every model had, what the, you know, the bells and whistles were. And I will say reviews do actually speak volumes for what the product can and can't do. Another thing is, is making sure that the BPA free now, um, BPA is obviously, um, it is something that we've heard a lot about, but it's a, it's a potentially, um, harmful chemical that's often found in plastic. And so most air fryers do have a plastic component to them. The biggest concern is actually the basket. So if the basket is made of a safe, um, material, that's one of the biggest concerns because that's what's heating constantly with the high temperature cooking. So most will say this right on the outside of the package or right in their manual. So just look for one that says, you know, BPA free, 5A free, that kind of thing. And you should be, um, feel very confident about making your purchase. The other type of thing to consider when you're purchasing your model is, what is your cooking preference? Now, do you prefer having a toaster oven style or with the basket? If you have a large family, maybe you're looking for one of the paddle type that has the tiers too. So those are all considerations to take into um, kind of factor in when, before you're purchasing your model.
2: Okay. And then there's a bunch of stuff that, that you can buy with them. They seem to have like a, a lot of accessories.
1: Yes. So that's another thing. When you're doing your reviews and rating them, I mean, obviously there's always that one bad apple who just had a terrible experience. Maybe, you know, filter those out. But they'll often talk about how useful the add-ons were with the product. So for instance, I got one of the appliances that had like a seven inch bunt pan with it and it had some silicone muffin liners, things like that, that were all included within the price, which is great, especially if you don't have those items already. And if you're concerned about space, you can actually store them inside the air fryer basket if you have that model. So it's really convenient, really easy, and you don't have to worry about too much extra space being taken up.
2: Well, now that you mentioned space, I have to say um now I'm picturing 6 air fryers on your kitchen counter. What oh happened to all the air fryers? Did yes. You find homes oh, for yes. them all.
1: So my family actually did not have air fryers. I have a few sisters and my parents. So everyone has now received their own air fryer to help (laughs) with recipe testing. So I tested, you know, the first gamut and saw which ones I actually preferred over others and which ones were actually a little bit time-saving because making so many recipes and that kind of thing. So now everyone in my family has an air fryer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Liz, I
2: want to thank you so much for sharing these tips with us and thanks for coming onto the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. So Liz's new book,
2: Air Fryer Cookbook for Dummies, comes out this month in April, and you can order a copy and also find out about Liz's other books, such as her cookbook for the Instant Pot, on her website at shawsimpleswaps.com. And we'll have links to Liz's site and all of her social media channels in the show notes, which, as always, you'll find at quickanddirtytips.com. The Nutrition Diva Show is produced by Nathan Sems, edited by Karen Hertzberg, and our team also includes Michelle Margulis, Morgan Ratner, Emily Miller, as well as our director, Kathy Doyle. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.